Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Amen, church. You guys can grab a seat. Man, welcome into the gathering today. How we doing, church? All right, this is going to be a long hour. That's all I know. Man, welcome in to all of our church family. We got people in the room. We got people in overflow, and we got people as a part of our online family today. Man, you're all in the Exchange family, and we're so pumped that you're choosing to join us. Happy August. We're two days in now. That means a whole lot of things are changing as, uh, man, school comes and just things begin to kind of change this time of year. And so today we're going to kick off a brand new series called Searching, called Searching. Uh, man, how many of you know that we are living in a world right now where people are searching, all right? You, know, you just turn on the news for just a little while, okay? And just look at it through that filter. People are searching. And maybe today that's you, all right? Maybe that's you um, in the room or you joined us online today and you're kind of searching. Like you're searching for some answers to life's questions, maybe in the, the midst of the brokenness or the chaos or the crazy that we are living in. Maybe you're searching. And so today we're going to kick off a brand new series, and I kind of tell you the direction that we're going in just a second. But we've proven as humanity that we will search for answers just about in any place that we seem to find them, right? Like if you just scroll Facebook long enough, like you'll find the meme that will fix your life, won't you? Okay, it probably has something to do with a cat or something, all right? But we'll search for answers just about anywhere. Um, our world really began to change in 1996 when on the campus of Stanford University, the very first ever Google search was performed. And two years later, Google officially became a business in the state of California and the way that we search for information changed forever in that moment. Can we agree? All right. And now we know Google as the number one search engine in the country, probably in the world, where you can literally find millions of answers if you type in any question or any keyword in a matter of seconds. Millions of answers right there at your fingertips. I uh, did a little research this week uh, on your behalf to give you some facts, some stats about Google that will literally blow your mind. All right, They blew my mind this week. And so here's what I found out. Google has been visited just this year, Okay, just like seven months into the year. Google has been visited over 62 billion times this year. Google processes over 3.5 billion, with a B, all right, that's more than million, 3.5 billion searches every single day. 63,000 Google searches every second. 63,000, 63,000 every single second. How many of you have used the new, uh, the new thing, Google Lens, where you can kind of like take a picture? Anybody use that? Awesome. All right. Nobody. Uh, sorry about that, Google. Well, more than 1 billion people have asked questions to that. You haven't, but some people have. You should check it out. Google's most searched keyword. Anybody on that one at home? What do you think it is? Google's most searched keyword is Facebook. Uh, you know where to find Facebook. You don't have to Google that, but somebody has. And 84% of people, 84% of people use Google three times a day or more, okay? So let's fess up our in the room online today. You can post it in the comments. How many of you have used Google at least once in the last two days, okay? How many of you at least once? Oh, good gracious, all right? Um, I'm in that camp, probably used it about five times yesterday. Um, then we are a people 
who are searching, all right? We are searching. And it's not just, all right, how to get the red dye out of our kids' clothes because they spilled Kool-Aid on it before they came to church, okay? Or how to find the restaurant that's nearest to us or how to find a mask that's cheap and breathable, okay? Or what am I going to do with my kids this school year, okay? We, we search for things like that. But what I want to begin to dig into today is that I believe we are a people searching for answers to questions about life that are much deeper than how to get red dye out of our kids' clothes. We're people searching for some real questions to real life issues. So here's what we're going to do. In this new series, I've taken five of the most searched spiritual life questions, the most searched spiritual life questions of humanity over the last year, and we're going to answer them through the truth of Scripture. Maybe these are some questions that you've looked up or you've Googled or you wondered at some point, or maybe they're ones that your friends or neighbors have looked up, but we're going to answer them through the truth of Scripture. But here's a little cool next step we're going to take. We don't want the conversation to just stop here on Sunday to kind of be built into 30 minutes in the room or online, but we want to bring you into the conversation because we've all got questions. So here's what we're offering, all right? If you have a life spiritual question that maybe you're wondering about or you're thinking through or you're looking for some answers for, we want to bring you into the conversation. So we're putting up a number on the screen behind me. You can see it at home as well. Man, if you've got a spiritual life question, you're like, man, I'd really love to hear some thoughts from our pastor or our staff team or how do they see that in Scripture. Man, if you'll text that question, it's anonymous. If you'll text that question to us, then we're going to do our best to answer that. Maybe not on a Sunday morning, but we're going to do our best to throw some videos out on social media over the next five weeks to help bring some answers to life's questions because we believe that God's word is relevant to every moment, every question, and every season of our life. So you can write that number down, text your question now, or do it some point this week as God, man, encourages you or prompts something in your mind. Now, here's week one. Day one's question is this. What is the purpose of life? What is the purpose of life? You ever asked that question before? Maybe not out loud, all right, because like sometimes we're ashamed of that, but maybe you've wondered that personally. Maybe in a low moment at the end of a day, a long day at work as you went to bed, or maybe in the middle of a work day when you're depressed and down over your job, or maybe students at the end of a breakup or a friendship crisis, and you, you've wondered, like, what, what is my real purpose? Like, why, why am I still here? What is my existence really for? Like, life has to be bigger. You ever thought this? Life has to be bigger than this little merry-go-round of the daily grind that I live in. Like, I go to work five days a week, six days a week, do the other thing on the other day, and then here we go again. Life has to be bigger than this, right? And so today we're going to answer that question of what is the purpose of life? And so today we want to use the unchanging truth of Scripture to answer a question that we've been asking for generations. Now, we're not going to be in one particular passage, so I'm not going to give you a set, set of verses uh, to turn to, but I'd love for you to take notes. Man, keep your copy of God's Word handy uh, here in the room and at home. Take notes. We'll put some things on the screen so that you can remember all right, what we're ingesting today so that you can go and live it out in the world. Now, i got to address a few people in the room and a few people listening online because when I said, what is the purpose of life, you were like, oh, I already know that. Okay? And in about five minutes, you're going to go, I've already heard that, I know that, I'm living that out. Listen to me. I believe sometimes we need a reminder, all right? And I believe other times God gives us a word that's maybe not for us, but it's for us to share with somebody else. 
And so there may be somebody in your life, a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, somebody on your social media stream, that God's giving you this message today so that you can share it with somebody else because they need it maybe a little bit more than you do, okay? But we all need to be reminded. So, man, let's keep that in mind as we lean in and listen today. Now, today what we're going to do is we're going to highlight five parts, five parts of our big purpose for living. If you read Scripture, all throughout Scripture, God gives you different bits and pieces of your purpose for life. And so today, we're going to look at those because God says, this is where you find the reason that I put you here. Okay? All my note takers, here we go. Here's the first part of the purpose today. God wants me, all right, I'm making it personal. It's you and it's me. God wants me to center my life around him. All right? God wants me, he wants you, to center your life around him. Newsflash, God didn't put us here on earth to live a self-centered life. He put us here to live a God-centered life. He wants us to learn to love him, enjoy him, and have a relationship with him. In other words, God wants to be the nucleus, the center of your life, not just a section. You ever been there before? God wants to be the centerpiece of your, he wants to be the focal point, the focus of your attention. One day a man walked up to Jesus and he asked him, hey Jesus, what's the greatest command in scripture? He was trying to stump Jesus, but you don't play that game. Jesus responded in Matthew 22, and here's what he says to this man, Matthew 22, 37. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and this is the first and greatest commandment. Notice that Jesus used this word first, telling us this is the highest priority. This is the first part of your purpose for living is to love God and to allow him to love you back. In other words, God made you not just to be another person, one of among billions, but he made you to have a relationship with you. How cool is that? That the God of the universe who brought out all the stars last night and could call them all by name, he wants a personal relationship with you. See, we could call this first purpose, we're going to put five words with each purpose, we could call this first purpose worship. We call it worship. Now, some of us get real confused about worship. We think worship is like the part that we do before the preacher gets up, okay? And if the worship's really good, the preacher can be average and we might still come back, okay? But worship through singing, that's just a part of worship. Worship is anytime you direct your focus and your attention on God. That's worship. It's the response of your life. And in worshiping, here's what we do. It is centering our life on God. Because let me tell you something today. You and I, we will center our life on something. Whether you realize it or not, like you woke up this morning and you were centering your life on something. It may be that you're centering your life on your job. A lot of people do that. Or you center your life on your family. Or parents, you can center your life on your kids. Or on getting more, whatever more is. There's a lot of things on a relationship, on finding that one. Listen, you can center your life on a lot of different things. But Scripture says this. If you center your life on anything other than God, here's what Scripture calls it. It becomes an idol. That's not always fun to think about, but it's a reality we have to deal with. That sometimes we allow other things to be at the center of our life other than God, and that becomes an idol. You want to know how, um, two questions, you want to know how to know whether, if your life is centered on God or not, all right? 
Here's how to know if your life is not centered on God. Watch this. Worry becomes a part of your life. You lived in that before? You live in there now? Stress, fear, worry begins to creep in. And you begin to realize, like, my life is not fully centered on God. On the other hand, you want to know how your life is centered on God? Peace comes in. Peace replaces worry. Philippians 4 verse 7 in the message, Paul says it this way. Look at it on the screen. A sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens. Watch this phrase. When Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Paul says, it's amazing what happens when you let Jesus override the worry in your life. And you want to know what the antidote to worry is? Worship. Centering your life on God. Sometimes that's in a song, but sometimes that's just how you focus your attention. So here's the first and most important question that we all have to answer. All right, What will be at the center of your life for the rest of your life? Because you, you will center it on something. You are right now. You didn't even realize it when you woke up this morning. But something is at the center. So the question becomes, are you centering your life on God? Because he created you to have a relationship with you. He's not going to force you into it. But he says, that's why I designed you. And you'll never know the full purpose of your life until you center your life on me. Okay? That's the first part of the purpose. Second part, don't miss this. Stay with me. God wants me to learn to love his family. God wants me and you to learn to love his family. The whole issue of life is learning how to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the next part says what? Learn how to love your what? Neighbor as yourself. He says you got to get those two things right if you want to live out the purpose that I put you on earth for. Okay? Now, God is love. First John tells us that. And then he created a family for us to love. You know what he calls his family? The church. That's us. He says, you need the church is the only thing that's going to last forever. So God says, connect to it. Be a part of it. Connect your life to it. Do you know in the New Testament that there are 56 one another commands? 56. Um, like serve one another, love one another, pray for one another, share with one another, forgive one another, bear one another. But let me ask you this question. Um, how can you live out the one another commands if you're not connected to a spiritual family? God says, I give this to you so that you can be a part of my family. Learn to love and connect with my family. God says, if you claim to love me, but you don't love my family, you're not a part of my family, he's like, you ain't doing it right. You're just kidding yourself. Heaven will be a place where we will learn to love all people, but the church is the place where we get to practice that here on earth. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says. Do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead be encouraging. It's part I want us to focus on, encouraging one another. Do you know what happens every time we gather, like in a life group, or we gather for our gathering in person, or even online today as you watch from your couch? Every time we do that, you know what happens? We challenge one another. Sometimes we frustrate one another, all right? But we encourage one another in our faith. That's what happens. Like I talked to a guy this morning at 8 o'clock. He said, you know what? He said, I had to be here today. I needed the encouragement. That's what he said. We encourage one another. 
Now, we could put a word on this second uh, part of our purpose as well. It's the word fellowship. That's kind of a churchy word. Anybody ever, ever have a potluck in the fellowship hall? Okay, come on. All right? Fellowship. All right? And here's what God says. God wants you and I to make fellowship a habit. What a good command. He says, you need to hang out with one another. Because why? Because you need encouragement. This life is heavy. It's hard. It gets broken often. He says, you need encouragement, which is why he created Adam in the Garden of Eden. And then he looked at him, and what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. He says, you need some fellowship. There's a study done uh, not too long ago, uh, and the results were crazy. I want to share them with you today. It was a study done on if you and I, we as humans, were to just live life alone, to never form any deep and meaningful and lasting relationships. And here's what came out of that. You ready? It says you would be three times more likely to die an early death. You'd be four times more likely to suffer emotional burnout. You'd be five times more likely to be clinically depressed and you'd be 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for an emotional or mental disorder. You hear that and tell me that you weren't created for fellowship with one another. God designed us so that we could be together with one another. We make God the center of our lives, first part of the purpose, and then we learn to love his family. Now, what does that practically look like um, to be connected, to be a part of the family here at the exchange? We got people in the room, people online who maybe join us for the first time. What does that look like? Well, first, we think it means that you get to know Jesus. That's what our sign says, that you would get life. That's what that means, that you find relationship with him. Not play church, but you center your life on him. We also think that looks like, man, taking the next step of believer's baptism. We've seen almost 250 people in the last eight years go, you know what? I've centered my life on Jesus, and I want to show other people. It, we think it means that you're, you're connected as a part of our gathering, whether that's in person or online in this season, that like you keep encouraging one another by consistently being a part. It means that you connect and grow with other people. We've got groups called life groups so that you don't just sit in a gathering and you're just a number, but we've got groups of men and women and couples and students, and they hang out every week or every other week to care for one another and grow with one another because you need that. It means that you serve. We're going to talk about that in a minute. That like you, you give something back with your life. And maybe even one day, maybe it means that you become a covenant member of our spiritual family. So let me ask you, if God called you as part of your purpose is to love and to connect with his family, which one of those or which ones of those do you need to do? If it's part of your purpose, then that's how we obediently Live it out. Okay, so we center our life on God. We connect to and learn to love his family. Here's part three. Stay with me. God wants me to grow in spiritual maturity. God wants me to grow in spiritual maturity. God wants you and I to grow up in our faith so that we're more and more like Jesus. Okay, breaking news. God didn't leave you here to remain a spiritual baby. He just didn't. No, God called you to grow up in your faith. And that looks like learning to know God's word, learning to follow his commands, learning to trust his promises, learning to obey what he calls us to do. Here's Hebrews 6 verse 1. The Living Bible says it this way. Let us go on instead to other things and become, what's the word? Mature. Become mature in our understanding as strong Christians, as strong followers of Jesus ought to be. 
God wants you and he wants me to grow up in our faith. Here's the third word that we're going to put on this one. It's the word discipleship. Okay, that's kind of a churchy word. The word disciple is simply an old word that means student or learner. That's all it means. So it means that if you're going to choose to follow Jesus, that you become a lifelong student and learner. In other words, you never get to a place in your spiritual life where you say, I've arrived. This doesn't happen. You're constantly learning and growing to be more like him. But here's the problem. A lot of people um, grow old, but they never grow up spiritually. I'm going to say that a little louder for the people in the back. A lot of people grow old in age, but they never grow up spiritually. And that is tragic. We could say that they're saved, but they're shallow. And God says here, part of your purpose is that you don't just get saved and sit, but you get saved and you grow in spiritual maturity. Think about it, parents. What would happen if your kids, all right, a lot of you got kids of all different ages. What would happen if your kids just never grew up? All right? It'd be tragic. Also be known as a nightmare, okay? But it would be tragic. In the same way, as a follower of Jesus, if you never grow up, it's tragic. And you're missing out on part of the purpose of knowing and following God. Now, here's the question. How do you know when you are mature? Okay, if we're called to grow up, well, how do I know when I'm mature, right? Like in life, like I'm mature when I get a driver's license. I don't know about that, okay? Or I'm mature when I can vote, maybe, all right? Or I'm mature when I get my own house, all right? We we got all these marks that we think bring some kind of maturity. I'm a parent. All right, listen, how do you know when when you mature spiritually? Here's one way. One way is you're able to explain spiritual life to other people. Here's one way that scripture says it. Look at Hebrews chapter 5, um, verse 12. It says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Now, these people are not growing up, okay? So watch this. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. See, a mark of spiritual maturity is that you can pass on to others what God has taught and what he is doing in your life. Now, some people, God's given them the gift or the opportunity to stand on a stage or to stand at the front of a classroom and teach. You know what? That's not the calling for every single person, but there's still a calling to be a teacher. You're a teacher to your kids, to your grandkids, right? In your life group, when you share, you don't have to be the leader of the group. In your one-on-one conversations, at work, you're a teacher who has the opportunity to share what God is teaching you. And if you're going to live out your purpose and grow up in spiritual maturity, Scripture says clearly that's a part of what you're supposed to be doing. You should be able to pass on what God is teaching you. So let me, let me ask it or say it this way, okay? If you've been following Jesus for, let's say, let's say five years, but you're not teaching or passing on to anyone else what God is doing in you, you're doing it wrong, all right? Part of the purpose in growing up is it also comes out when we share. And so here's the question I want us to consider, okay? Just think about this right there where you are at home today. What area of your life do you need to grow up spiritually? Okay, if we're going to grow, like we kind of got to go 
well, here's where I need to grow. Like if you're going to the gym, okay, and you want to get swole, okay, I want my arms to be big, all right, my legs, whatever. You got to know where you're working out. So let me just give you some questions for you to consider, all right, in your relationship with Jesus. You've been following for three years, 30 years, okay? Is it that you need to have a better understanding of the Bible? Like you need to understand scripture a little more, the big picture of what God is saying through his word. Um, maybe this, is it that you need to learn to overcome a certain temptation because it wears you out every single week? Is it that you need to learn to follow and trust God in faith even when it doesn't make worldly logical sense, but he says, hey, I'm calling you to this. Is that it for you? Uh, maybe you need to grow up in generosity. That God says, hey, everything that you have is really mine. I'm just going to see if you trust me back. And we talk about generosity and tithing, and you're like, no, 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 no. Okay, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's it for you. Is it, uh, is it serving? Because you're like, no, this is me. It's my time. I got a lot to, I'm not certain. Listen, part of your purpose, okay? Where do you need to grow up? Which one of those things does God need to increase in your life? Third purpose is growing up in spiritual maturity, okay? Center our life, love his family, grow up. Here's the fourth one. God wants me to contribute something back. God wants me to contribute something back. Part of your purpose is contributing something back. Let me tell you something. God doesn't leave you here on earth just for you to live for yourself, consume resources, and die. Isn't that good news? That, like, he's got bigger things for you than that. Okay. Now, there's a lot of people get tangled up in that little merry-go-round. But God wants you to learn to be unselfish. He wants you to learn to be generous, to serve others, to contribute something back with your life. Um, here's how 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says it um, in the Living Bible. It says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, so use them, use those gifts well to serve one another. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say use them to make a lot of money or to make your name famous or to increase your popularity or gain more social media followers or to fill in the blank. No, it says Use the gifts that God gave you to serve others. That's what he says. Now, here's the, the fourth word, okay, that we're going to put, put on this one. It's the word ministry. The word ministry. You know what ministry is? It's when you contribute something back with your life. That's ministry. Now, some of y'all, y'all got all confused because y'all thought that ministers were just the people that worked at the church, right? And they just, they just worked on Sunday mornings and they play golf the rest of the week. I don't know. Some of y'all think that. Listen to me. Here's what Scripture says. Scripture says that we are, we're all called to be ministers. Put that on your resume, okay? In Scripture, the word service and the word minister, it's the same thing. So Scripture says if you're in Christ, if you centered your life on him, then you are a minister of the gospel. We serve God by ministering to others. All right, that's the question. How do I serve an invisible God I can't see? Scripture makes it clear. You serve God by serving others. That's ministry, and it's also preparation for heaven. You'll know what you're going to do in heaven. We're going to love other people, and we're going to serve God and serve others. So you go, why well, in the world would God still leave me here on earth? So you can practice. Why did he give you the church? Why did he... So you can practice. To use the gifts that he's given you to serve others other people is part of your purpose, okay? Some of the most encouraging and inspiring um, senior adults that I know are people who are in their 70s, their 80s, some of them even in their 90s, 
And they're still constantly looking for ways to serve God and to serve other people. Seriously, those people fire me up. Man, they, I mean, they could be at home in their recliner. They could be traveling the country to see everywhere they want to see. And listen to me, I think there's a time for that. They've worked hard to earn that. But I believe that as long as God gives us breath here on earth, he's still called us to serve him and to serve other people. I'll never forget one of our very first weeks as a church. We were meeting um, at a place called Kids Rock. It was a kids' inflatable birthday party zone. It had a pool table and a slush puppy machine. We were the coolest church in town. We just were, okay? Well, nobody showing up at first, but we, we had the slush puppy machine. And I'll never forget one of our very first Sundays. There was a lady by the name of Jerry McKnight who walked in. Some of y'all know Miss Jerry. Some of you don't. And she was dressed to the nines, all right? She was, she was blinging. She was on point. And she walked in. My first two thoughts were when I saw her uh, were this. One, how in the world did she find out about this little podunk brand new church that meet up in a birthday party zone? Okay, that was my first thought. My second thought was I looked at how she was dressed, and I was in, like, my jeans and my T-shirt, and I was like, yep, she ain't never coming back. <laughs> little did I know that she would never leave. She would never leave. See, some of y'all don't know Miss Jerry. Miss Jerry had, she had basically retired from her secular job of doing life insurance. And I ain't going to tell you how old she was or how old she is, but let's just say she was over the hill, all right, and then some, okay? Miss Jerry, I love you. I love you. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow, okay? But listen to me. A couple of years later, after we had kind of settled here on Beardman Road, she began showing up every day here at the office. Just volunteering, just, just First Peter 4 tending. She was using her gifts to serve the body. And she kept helping and kept serving and kept serving. We weren't paying her a dime, but she just kept showing up and serving and using her gifts and honoring God and honoring others. And after a little while, we were like, I don't think we're going to be able to get her to leave. And so, like, what if we just hired her? What if we just started paying her to show up, all right? We want to make sure she wasn't going to leave. And almost five years later, I cannot imagine our staff team or our spiritual family without the gifts and the impact of what Miss Jerry has brought to our team and to our family. And let's be real. She could be at home tending to her yard or watching her favorite shows, but every day she gets up to say, hey, I want a 1 Peter 4.10. I want to use the gifts that God's given me to serve God and to serve others because I'm called as a part of my purpose to contribute something back. And listen to me, younger generation. I want to grow up to be just like that. Because part of my purpose is not about me, but it's about contributing something back with my life. And God calls us to that. Now listen, we live in a culture, and we say this sometimes, man, I'm living for the weekend. Okay? And I get it. I understand. Work can be stressful. But listen to me. God did not leave you here just for you to have fun, consume resources, and breathe a final breath one day. Okay? He puts you in your job. He puts you in your classroom here in a couple of weeks. He puts you in your neighborhood. He puts you in your family so that you can make a difference and contribute something back. It wasn't an accident, but it's on purpose that he's got you there so that you can live out your purpose. And I pray, man, that if God gives you or me another five years, another 15 years, or another 55 years, I pray that we would ask the same question that David asked. In Psalm 116, look at this on the screen. Psalm 116, verse 12, David says, What can I give back to God for the blessings he's poured out on me? 
You ever asked that question before? And God, what, what can I, it's all yours, the time, the body, the energy, the mind. What can I give back for what you've given to me? You know what I know? Every, every single one of us in the room online today, we all crave significance. We want to know my life matters. I'm something, all right? Listen to me. You don't gain significance by status or by salary or by success. But you gain significance by service. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, learn to serve. Scripture says, Jesus came not to be served. He's the son of God, savior of the world. He said, I didn't come to be served, but I, I came to serve. So let me ask you this question. What are you doing right now where you're making an intentional, selfless, contribution to the world and more importantly to God's kingdom to his family okay because it's easy to show up and go what you gonna give me but it's a level of maturity and purpose to say man I'm here to contribute something back because God has a purpose for me okay fifth part here we go God wants me to tell others about his love God wants me to tell others about his love. Listen, some of you checking out. Okay, listen, don't check out. It may not be for you. I think it is for you, but it may be for somebody else too, okay? God wants me to tell others about his love. Did you ever thought about this? There are only two things that I can think of, two things that you can do here on earth that you can't do in heaven. Two things. One of those things is sin. Ain't going to be no sin in heaven, okay? There's a lot of it on earth. There's not going to be any in heaven. Second thing is this. You can do it on earth, can't do it in heaven. Tell other people about God's love. You won't be able to do that in heaven. You know why? Everybody already knows. That's how they got there, right? They heard about it and received it. So let me ask you, of those two things that you can do on earth, can't do in heaven, sin, tell other people about God's love, which one of those do you think God leaves you here on earth for? It, it ain't sin. I'll tip you, tip you on that one, okay? It ain't sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 20. This is from our foundational passage as a church, okay? Watch this. All this is from God who reconciled. He forgave. He brought us back. He unified us to himself through Christ. And then watch what he did. He gave us, you, me, the church, the ministry. Uh-huh, remember, you a minister? The ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. In other words, you're not just a construction dude. You're not just a teacher or a student or a mom or a, like you are Christ ambassador. You're his representative. Why? Because God is making his appeal. He's sending his message through us. We therefore, we implore you, we ask you, we beg you, we give our lives on Christ's behalf so that you might do this world, so that you might be reconciled to God. See, God has given us the work to tell other people about him. It's plain and simple. Here's our fifth word, all right? Fifth word we'll put on this one is witnessing, all right? That's a good churchy word, witnessing. Scripture says that you and I are to be witnesses of God's love. Okay, we've all seen on TV at some point, or maybe you've sat in a courtroom and experienced a trial. In a trial, there's a huge difference between an attorney and a witness, isn't there? The attorney's there to do it, to present the facts, to present the argument, to try to persuade the people listening to believe 
what they are saying. The witness, on the other hand, that's not their job. What are they there to do? Not to persuade, but just to tell their story. To tell about what they've seen and heard and experienced. Church, listen to me. That's your purpose. That's what it means to be a witness, that you would live your life in such a way that your words, your actions, would tell your personal faith story and experience to others so that they might know about God's love. And here's the best news. You ready for this? You don't have to go to seminary to be a witness. You, you don't have to know all the Bible verses and all the books of the Bible. In, you don't have like one, the cool one with the tabs on the page. You don't have to have one of those. You don't even have to have grown up in church all of your life and know all the Sunday school songs to be a witness. You just have to center your life on God and then live it out. And what you say and in what you do. That's exactly what God has called us to do. And listen to me, many of you listening today, many of you have a larger platform to be a witness than any Sunday church stage. At your job site, in your office, in your classroom, in your social circles, God has given you a huge platform to be a witness, a teller of your story of what God is doing and how he has loved you and other people need to hear it. So let me ask, how are you doing at being a witness on your platform? God has given us all that opportunity. Let me frame it this way. Okay, <clears throat> I don't have this, all right, answer. But I want you to think about with me today if I told you that I had the answer and the cure for the coronavirus. Like, if I had the answer to all of this chaos and crazy that we're living in right now, or if I told you today that I had the cure to COVID-19, but I also told you that I wasn't sharing it with anybody, what would you think about me? You would think that you are the most selfish, inconsiderate, all right, unloving person in the world. And guess what? You would be right. You'd be spot on. Listen to me, church. I'm not belittling what we are living in right now. But what I'm telling you is that there is a condition that is worse than the coronavirus. And it's impacted every human being alive that ever lived and ever will live. And Scripture calls it sin. And it separates us from relationship with God. But guess what? Here's the best news. If you have centered your life on God, and if you've surrendered your life to relationship with Jesus, then guess what? You've found the cure to the greatest, most difficult condition that humanity will ever face. And you, you have the cure. So let me ask you this question. If you've found that cure, who are you sharing that with right now in your life? Can I get even more personal? If you're not sharing that cure with other people who need it, why should God continue to leave you here on earth? See, part of your purpose, part of my purpose, is that we would live a life that through our words and our actions and our thoughts and our motives, 
that we would tell other people about the greatness of God's love and God's grace. See, you, you don't have to search for your life purpose anymore. You, like, you don't have to. Like, when you're going to bed at night, depressed at the end of a long day, when the relationship fell apart and you feel all, like, you don't, you don't have to search for it anymore. God made it very simple, and he made it very clear. He says, you better center your life on me. It starts there. Learn to love my family. Church is not a building that you go to for an hour. It's a place you belong. It's, it's a family you need. He said, then you learn to grow up in your spiritual maturity. Don't, don't, don't keep being a spiritual baby. He says, contribute something back. Get, give something back with your life. Stop living for just you. And then he says, learn to tell other people about God's love. But do you know what the good news in that is? Because that, that, like, you're like, whoo, that's a lot. I don't know if I can live all of that out, if I can digest all it. Listen, you don't have to, and you were never intended to live out that purpose alone. That's why God gives us a spiritual family. Like, that's the purpose of a church. Whether you're belonging here or somewhere else, that's the purpose of the church, is to equip you, to grow you, to live out your purpose, which is exactly why that's what we say in our statement. The purpose of the exchange is to help people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and then live out their purpose. So here's the calling and the challenge today. Stop searching. Stop searching for your purpose and begin to just live it out. Let me pray for us this morning. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.